0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Each business is unique and operated individually of others in the same industry. What they have in common is the potential path to success. Welcome to The Second Stage with your hosts, Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. In today's program, we'll address the obstacles that many businesses find on that path to success and discuss what entrepreneurs and their businesses are doing to stay ahead of the curve. Now, here's Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick.
1: Hello, everybody. It's Brendan Anderson, host of The Second Stage. Welcome to the Forum for Entrepreneurial Discussions.
2: All right, and hey, and this is Jeff Cadlick, and we're excited to have you on our show this week. Um, as a recap from last week, we discussed the third of five pillars, which is uh, about people. And uh, the archive for that episode, which was titled Attract Your Dream Team, uh, can be found on the Voice of America website on the business channel or under podcasts on iTunes and search for The Second Stage. Uh, we hope you got started with the third pillar last week and followed through on the suggestions uh, from our guest, Mark Fiala, uh, who is the, the president of organizational architecture. And again, you can see him. Uh, you can connect to his website at Um And again, like all of our, our guests, we've worked with Mark before. And uh, he's done a great job for us. And, um, you know, we we suggest if you found value in what he was talking about last week that you you connect with him directly. But, uh, you know, more importantly, we want you to connect with us directly. Uh, As uh, Brendan had mentioned uh, at the beginning of the show, that this is a forum. And we really want people to dial in uh, to 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. You can also email us at the 2nd. Can stage at evolutioncp.com or uh, blog on our website at evolutioncp.com. So uh, we love hearing from you guys. We've got some great questions, um, you know, from from last week. And uh, one of those questions, Brendan, if I'm going to throw throw it at you right away, I'm, uh, I'm ready. Are you? Are you? Uh, yeah,
1: we'll see. We'll see.
2: <laughs> well, you're ready. You're not ready until yeah. you give an answer, and then we'll, well I'm ready. I just don't know when the ready for. But go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> All right. All right. So here we go. Are you ready? Yes, I am. How soon should we get started on our human resources initiative? That's the question. That's a great question.
1: Um, and, and actually we touched on that a little bit last week and it, it's a, it's a hard one to get your ar- arms around, but, but realistically, once you go b- to your second employee, it's the best time to start with, with some of those practices. I mean, if you think about it, what a better time you, you, you kind of, you start and you get to, is uh, is our themes consistently is just get started. And if you start with your first employee and then you refine it and make it better, better with every single one, it's, uh, it's, um, it's the way you got to do it. And if you've got three or four or five or six employees already and haven't done it, it's time to start now. So that's uh, that's the, the easy punchline to the question.
2: And I think that that's a very fair answer. I mean, HR is something um, that we have struggled with here as a second stage company ourselves. You know, we, um, you know, we're, we're we are test driving many of these ideas before we share them with you uh, on, on air. And um, you know, it's we've got a fairly small shop here. And uh, I thought it was interesting last week with Mark, where you guys talked about core values along with, you know, the, the, the handbook and that sort of thing. Can you kind of embellish on that or remind the folks about what we talked about on that issue last week, which I thought was really interesting?
1: Yeah, and, and core values really is is the, the 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 fiber in which businesses are made up of the rules that you just that you don't break, and and if you can establish those, and everybody everybody in the organization, all the way from the top to the bottom, is willing to live by those, it just makes decision making so much easier. It also, and part of those decisions are, are are who should be on the team and and who shouldn't be on the team, and so it's. It's again. I think I talked about this last week, Jeff. When uh, when I first heard of this concept of you know, kind of putting your you know, kind of your 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 code on the wall, um, I, I you know, it, it just as a beginning entrepreneur at the age of twenty eight, I, I just like, yeah, what a bunch of hooey. And and I will tell you, it works. And it's and it is a it, it is a time saver. It's a, it's a way to truly um, you know make decision making easier, especially around people and, and what those people are supposed to be doing every day. And decisions right. on those things. So right. we bl- believe it big time.
2: We do. And that's something that we advocate in all the businesses that we partner with. And, um, you know, I think you would agree, Brendan, that in a lot of cases, we get the same reaction that you had when you were 28. But then they, they, they realize how powerful it can be uh, as they begin to scale their business and build their culture uh, as, as they grow.
1: Yeah, and Jeff, I think that's a great point. I think I think what's also very um, obvious to everybody is is the companies that that have the core values and mission that live by it. You can tell how fast those companies transform and move and and so forth. And the companies that just have it written on the wall that uh, that people don't believe that that everybody in the organization is living by those, and, it, and those companies tend to stall. And, and we can see, some, you know, well, we, we periodically have. Companies like that and that are uh, our invest- you know in our partners and and we have to uh you know push them towards you know living by those things and it, it really it really does uh separate some of the winners from from some of the companies that just don't ever transform
2: right right right. Well, uh, we thought, I thought that was a great question, and I thought that there, there's been some very good support of uh, what we've been doing in the uh, blogosphere as well, and um, it's it's been fun doing the show so far, and I think we're covering a lot of good territory, and we're getting a lot of good guests on the show. And uh, like last week and the week before, we have another great guest this week, um, the topic this week is Transparency. It's the fourth pillar of five. And the title of this show is Transparency, Everyone's a Part of the Process. With total transparency, your entire team knows where you are and where you want to go. You know, seeing a big picture and status to getting there creates alignment, and that was something that, uh, you know, again goes back to core values and all that other sort of stuff. So, our guest this week is Patrick Carpenter. He's the vice president of the Great Game of Business Inc. And this is a business that you're very familiar with, Brendan. But you can um, you can find out more about Patrick on www greatgame.com That's www.greatgame.com. And, uh, you know, uh, Brendan has known Patrick for for quite some time. And, uh, again, this is somebody that we've known and uh, really believe in and we want to share their knowledge with you. Uh, Patrick is responsible for introducing business leaders to the power of open book management and business literacy. Patrick's 20-year career includes senior management positions with uh, two global Fortune 100 companies. Companies where he's consistently encouraged organizations to be transparent, share, and teach financials as a method to increase sales profits and increased employee engagement. Uh, he has several uh, senior leadership roles within a company called SRC, which is really the test case, isn't it, Brendan, for the, the Great Game of Business book? We'll absolutely get into a lot of
1: detail uh, in the next two sessions of this, but it's the results are just unbelievable in a business that you quite frankly most people wouldn't think could do that sort of uh that that sort of growth but it's it's right. a wonderful story.
2: So SRC stands for Springfield Remanufacturing Company. It's in Springfield, Missouri, and it does a lot of things, but it really started out as a remanufacturer of diesel engines, and they've gone on using this open book management philosophy into um, building generators and earth-moving equipment and, and so on and so forth. And as Brendan had said, they've been tremendously successful uh, You know, the entire uh, way. So, oh,
1: Jeff, Jeff, just to jump in there real quickly, sure. And this is this is a business that th- these people just grow leaders, and they grow leaders on on this philosophy of including people in in not only uh, you know how, what's going on within the company financially, but in the decision making process. And so, you know, they are blessed to have lots of people that, that that live by that ideology and come to them with wonderful ideas. And so, their growth has come from you know literally uh, their employee base who who know and and fully understand this this philosophy and come to them and say, hey, I want to get into this business. It, it really is a wonderful, wonderful model.
2: When you talk about their success, and Patrick shared some of of SRC's uh, profit and sales results, um, it said Patrick and 1,400 employees have thrived in this transparent leadership model, growing their stock by 300,000. That is 300,000 so percent. Jeff, I don't even you... know how
1: to calculate that.
2: I mean, 300,000 <laughs> percent. I mean, I, I I'm not. How do you plug that into your calculator? In, in all well, honesty. Well, you know, I don't need a calculator. I keep it all between my ears. Believe it or not, no, that's um, good
1: because if but, you could show me how to plug that in to my calculator, that would be very, very helpful.
2: Well, fortunately, Patrick did the math for it. So he says oh. here, you you had invested a thousand dollars in SRC in 1983. Today, you'd have over three million dollars. Um, three mil, three million dollars off of a thousand dollar investment. Yes, yes, wow. I can, I can Re- even afford rebuilding, to make that rebuilding diesel engines. Yes. Rebuilding diesel engines. Okay. Um, So uh, Patrick is the son of the late Jill Carpenter, who helped pioneer the concept of open book management and co-authored two books. One, The Power of Open Book Management, and the other is called The Field Book of Open Book Management. And really, Patrick's life work is now dedicated to honoring the legacy of his mother and the thousands of employees who helped to validate open book management – uh, recently, Patrick and his team worked with Random House Publishing on a republish of the book, The Great Game of Business, which was originally published back in 1992, and that's the book that uh, Brennan and I are both very familiar with. Um, and since 1992, The Great Game of Business has really been called the best new business practice of the last 30 years by uh, Inc. Magazine and has been cited over in over 130 other business books. So… Um, this new book includes 30% new material and builds on their place in business history as the world's gold standard for financial transparency in the workplace. And the book debuted at number one at Barnes & Noble and the Nielsen ranking. So there's obviously a lot of great information in here. And I look forward to having uh, Patrick on the show here in the next segment so that uh, he can share some of his insights with us into this open book management. But before we go uh, out of this first segment, as always, one to thank our sponsors, McGladry LLP. It is a, uh, a leading provider of assurance, tax, and consulting services focused on small and mid-sized businesses nationwide with more than 6,700 people in 75 U.S. cities. As uh, we always say, we have worked with McGladry, and they've been wonderful supporters of ours, and they really know what they're talking about when they're talking to small businesses. So, with that, we are um, going to head into our first break and uh, hang tight, and we'll be back here uh, in the next segment shortly. Thanks for listening to the second stage.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here.
3: This is McGladry, Assurance Tax Consulting. In
0: sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait, they just go for it. Want to be empowered to take your leadership skills to the next level in your business? Tune into A Sharp Outlook, Best Practices for Success, with host Angela Sharp. Using industry-specific materials, toolkits, and expert guests from all facets of business, our program will empower you to develop a strong core in your business leadership, infrastructure, growth, and technology. A Sharp Outlook airs live every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to one 866 472 5790 That's one 866 472 5790 Or send an email to the second stage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson.
2: Well, welcome back to the second stage. Uh, This is Jeff Cadlick, and I got my tag team partner, Brendan Anderson, here as well.
1: Hello, everybody. Again, welcome back. (laughs)
2: Like any forum, this show will be more effective and powerful if folks contribute their experiences and ideas. We invite you – and that's – that falls right into our theme, doesn't it, Brendan? Today, That's very nice. Uh, We're going to play that in
3: there. <laughs>
2: so, we want to invite you to continue the discussion uh, from each week's show on our blog, which can be found at evolutioncb.com. You can email us at the second stage at evolutioncb.com or even call us at eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. That's eight six six four seven two fifty seven ninety. We want to hear from you because being an effective small business owner is a continual path. And as your host, we have a lot of experience but all the answers. So we are here to learn just like we hope listeners are too. So in the first segment, we kind of did a recap of the last show, which is the third of five pillars on um, Attracting Your Dream Team. And now we are on the fourth pillar, which is um, about transparency. And we've got our guest Patrick Carpenter from The Great Game of Business on the line. And um he is going to uh, share with us his insights on this phenomena of open book management well, thank you very much uh it's great to be here
1: yeah, patrick i uh I, I just um, wanted to share with our with our with our audience just a you know obviously I got to uh, tour your facility a couple years ago, and you guys were kind enough to show me you know five or six or seven of your of your facilities and and all I can say to, is that the pe- people that it's it's literally overwhelming to see what what you guys have done in Springfield and with with SRC and the other businesses that you guys have subsequently started with the with this uh, you know I, this open book or um, ideology and and it, it literally is I mean it's some of the numbers that are out there that you know from from the growth perspective and so forth are, are literally overwhelming and, and, and I can't say enough I mean, you literally got to see it to believe it and Patrick I was just gonna you know just to kind of just to kind of tease the audience a little bit I was was hoping you could maybe. Give me some kind of concept, uh, you know, or maybe explain to them that the what in in the in the years that the, that this team is uh, has been running SRC, you know, the the change in employees and facilities and in mm-hmm. some of those things.
4: Mm-hmm. Just, sure, you- sure. Well. It- really is a tremendous story. It's what's fun about what we do uh, to help other companies is that we have this amazing living laboratory that you got to see in Springfield, Missouri. And uh, so we we actually do that quite a bit. We'll have people sit in the huddles and, and they can actually physically see what it looks like when you share financials with, with uh, uh, all your employees. And, and then at the same time, we're handling huge growth. What, what happens when we do it? Well, this is what happens. We grow like a weed. We're, you know, from those original 113 to start, uh, that were there when we started to really work on this cadence of uh, open book management, develop the patterns in place. Um, we're now up to 40, over 1,400 employees, not including some of our joint venture employees. We have joint ventures with John Deere. Uh, Case New Holland is owned by Fiat. Navistar, and others. Uh, right now, uh, we have about 13 factories, over 2 million square foot under roof. Uh, and here's the amazing thing. So not, not only have we, we share the wealth with those who created it, we have decent bonus structure in play that people can get, making a good salary, um, and have plenty of opportunities for growth in the company. Uh, but we're also ESOP. Um, and so we, we share the wealth at that level. Now, not all the companies we work with are, are ESOP. It's a tough road. It's very expensive when you're a smaller company. And, and, and we actually probably wouldn't suggest it right out of the gate. But we are. It's part of our narrative. So if you put $1,000 in SRC back in 83, uh, today, based on our value on our, on our books, you'd have about uh, $3 million.
1: I was joking earlier, Jeff and I were talking about that return, and I'm not even sure how to plug that into my calculator. 300,000% so uh,
4: return for those of, of you out there it, that are
1: yeah, it's, looking it, for
4: their calculators. I'm, <laughs>
1: I'm, not, I'm not sure my calculator's got that many zeros, but I need to get a new calculator. <laughs> but hey, the
4: interesting you know, thing is if you'd have put, uh, given Warren Buffett, that same amount of money today, Warren's company's done great, but it would be still under a couple hundred thousand dollar, dollars in total return.
1: Wow. Yeah, I, uh that's and and anybody would have taken that return too. So that's that's, right. that's wonderful. Um, you know, I I also it's you know some of those crazy statistics. I mean, you know, you think about you know kind of how SRC started implementing some of these things, and I think you know maybe the story about you know again you know, the, the kind of the condition SRC was in when 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 Jack and the team decided, hey, we got to come up with something better.
4: Sure. Yeah, and and my you know my experience goes goes back. Um, uh, over 20 years myself as my, my mother was actually uh, hired as one of the people to kind of come in and make sense out of what the heck was happening as a result of really what, what was a foxhole prayer of get me out of this. So we have, we have uh, a tremendous need to share the financials. Jack had to figure out the financials himself. What he found was is as a leader of over 2,000 union and non-union people in uh uh, in, in Melrose Park as part of International Harvester, as it was going bankrupt, he was sent down to close the plant. But even as a leader over that many people, he wasn't taught the financials of the business. And so as one of the, as a decision to buy the plant uh, as a way out of this horrible, you know, close the plant down or else type um, situation he found himself in, um, he he needed to learn the financials first. And and, um, and, to, and and as he did that, he's like, why don't we teach people this? This is what judges' success or failure of this company, why is it that I'm only doing it now? So he's, first of all, mad at the company for not teaching him financials. Then he's got to figure this stuff out. And then he's got to figure out, what do I do to get out of it? I mean, we're, we've got you – know, some he found a stupid banker. Literally, he'll tell that story to give him a, an $8.9 million <laughs> loan on $100,000 of equity. Now, it's never happened since that we can find we're the largest leverage buyout in corporate history. And We shouldn't have got the loan, but we did. The interest rate was 18%. Yeah, Patrick. Patrick, yes,
1: that, 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 that debt to equity ratio probably wouldn't uh, probably wouldn't work in today's economy. What do you think? Eighty nine to one. You know, yeah, definitely would not work. You wouldn't have a chance.
4: Yeah, I agree. And so so, so, so
1: you know, so, so, it was really more ahead,
4: of okay. a, a you know a, a response to needing to teach people the financials.
1: Well, I so so. So I have a question. You know, Jeff and I use the term transparency. You, you, uh, yes. you guys, you guys have this word. You know, this this kind of term, open book management. What, what does that mean? What does open book management mean?
4: Sure, sure. So you know, when you talk about transparency and you talk about sharing financials, you know, this idea of opening up the books, opening up literally the P and L, balance sheet, and cash flow, or some and some information out of it. Most companies, about the best they do with that, and obviously public companies have to report, but when you're a smaller company and you're, you're thinking, especially a privately held company, um, is when you're thinking about sharing information, all of a sudden that becomes very personal. And that's, that's understood, understandable. But, again, that's the same instrument you need for, to, to go to the bank for, for a loan or to work with a, a, a company like yourself for assistance is, is this is a very um, important document. And so opening up some of that document just makes good sense, right? That to teach people what's on it, what's our what our, what's the goals of our company, what are we after? Because the scorecard is the P&L balance sheet and cash flow. How much of that you do is, is completely uh, defined by you, of course. Um, you don't even have the management opportunity since opening up the books is just one part of it, but you don't have the management uh, possibility unless you have a, a really a good plan for sharing those numbers on a routine and regular basis. We call those huddles uh, with the greater um, employees at large. Most companies just share service level, product level metrics, right? Uh, operational metrics. And we think that's enough uh, because that's what we can directly see in front of us. What we find is it's just not enough. And so this idea of open book management is really managing the, the whole company through a holistic look at the financials and how we share that on a routine and regular basis with our with our employee groups.
1: I tell you, Patrick, what struck me, and, and I still am amazed by this, and, and um, is you know is how you share um, the information with the people and with mm-hmm. with all the employees, and maybe share that. I mean, I, I was struck by the the commitment oh. and the amount of time you know times fourteen hundred right. people. Um, but go well, ahead. It's a,
4: it's exactly right. I mean, in a manufacturing firm, you'd be concerned about your prime off prime time, right? If you're pulling people into a uh, you know, one meeting room and, and sharing with them the financials. And that, man, that just must take a long time. But it, it, you know, we've got it down to where we can sh- go through the entire P&L, simplified as it is, detailed if you want it, in more th- more or less 30 minutes. So from top to bottom, we just click through it. And, and what's interesting about what we do is we ask ourselves, where are we going to be by the end of the month? We have this, we have this budget. We know where we need to be. Too many times, our financial meetings are retrospective, and we're looking in the rearview mirror. Well, what good is that going to do us? I mean, we want to know where we're going, to, where we're going and, and are we going to hit our targets? And if not, how do we respond and adjust to them? So there is a huddle rhythm that's in play for that to happen. You've got to have good, decent scorecards at the departmental level. People talking about what's going on on a daily level, feeding into you know your managers to have a management meeting, and then you must have an all-company look at that at some point in time. Uh, if you're too big to do it in one, one meeting, you might consider a couple, but we really rhythm this thing out. That's uh, one of the things that um, uh, Jim Collins, uh, who wrote the book Good to Great, and he's got the quote on our new book, uh, said about us that he just really likes is the pattern part of this, right? And, and that's what he found is that good companies have
1: patterns. Well, and and I I just love you know when listening to you talk it just makes me just you know it's it's unbelievable what you guys have done with this you know everybody you know the average financial community looks at a manufacturing business like this and says oh my god they'll never do it I, I got a I got a question you, you know since you guys have this this wonderful facility in uh, Springfield I suspect you know because you guys uh, you guys spend so much time on the financials that when you walk into your cafeterias or the, or the meeting rooms that there's a bunch of really nice pictures on the wall is that is yeah. that a fair statement or is there yeah. are there a bunch of numbers are there a bunch of numbers yeah. up there
4: well. But what's interesting, right, is is that um, when we look at all the tools you have to manage uh, people um, and to do things, you know, visual management is so underutilized, and, and there's so much science that says it's the right thing to do. You know, if you put things up on the wall, it's amazing what, the, what they do. And, and so, yeah, we have these huge financial boards up, up on the wall, in many cases the entire P&L for that organization. Uh, right up on the wall, in, in conjunction with mini games, things that we'll do like uh, Kaizen events, uh, rapid reward pr- and rapid improvement programs uh, to improve parts of the business that come out of that financial. Those financials. So in many cases, there's a war room of such in every company um, that we that we own, and certainly most great game companies will will do that. Some companies are a little bit, you know, they're on the road. There's there's they're a consulting firm. They're, they, you know, 80% of their people are out in the, uh, you know, working out of their homes and traveling, and and to them, it looks like a Google Hangout, right? Or there's something electronically that's on a a board somewhere, but uh, even in those companies, we encourage them to print it out and put it, you know, up in their offices.
1: I mean, I, I can't state this. I mean, it, it is unbelievable. Regardless of what facility you walk into um, in their in their company, you, they, they literally have the financial statements written on the walls. They literally have meeting rooms where uh, they 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 bring the employees in every single week and they walk through what the financials mean. And and I think what struck me um, the most in talking to to your team. When I was in town, was just just the commitment to and the, what what you guys b- believe is the gift to the employees or, or what you owe, you know you owe the employees the ability to to look at financial statements, understand financial statements, not only for SRC but uh, but their but their own their own personal lives and what cash such flow needs. Such, means and, such a ahead. great
4: point. Such a great point is is this idea that this is equally fifty percent good for the company and fifty percent good for the people that make up the company. People take this home with them. Uh, they, go, they go home and have conversations they've never had before with their wife or husband about financials in a way that they've never had it before, and they climb out of debt. Uh, they, they, they utilize their resources wiser and buy property and come back to the company and tell stories about how they've used this financial education at they gained at the company to improve not only their, life at the, their lives at the company and create value for them and the company, but they take it home and do it at home as well. So, um, to your point, it's extremely valuable to the individual.
1: Well, Jeff's given me the uh, second quarter wrap-up signal, and I, I just w- would like to uh, – w- you're going to stick around for one more one more uh, session, and uh, what we'll, we'll talk start off with in the next session is uh, why businesses like football.
2: Mm-hmm. So, Jeff?
1: Jeff, go ahead. Take it away.
2: Well, I have nothing – not a whole lot to say here except that we're going to take a brief break and be back shortly to continue on with our our guest, Patrick Carpenter, Vice President of The Great Game of Business Incorporated. And you can find more about Patrick at thegreatgame.com. Thanks for listening to Second Stage.
3: This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry, Assurance Tax Consulting.
4: Everybody needs expert advice
0: when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for the leader and the muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more. Tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time, for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup, or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back to the
2: second stage. You know, this is our show, but it's your form. So we are looking for input from you so that we can benefit from everyone's experience. Uh, We're back here with Patrick Carpenter of The Great Game of Business. And uh, Brendan and Patrick were talking about, uh, you know, uh, the philosophy of open book management and what it means to transparency. And then we concluded the last segment with some tantalizing comment for all of our football fans out there about how open book management and ties into to football how's that work brennan
1: well first of all i'd like to talk about football jeff because uh i know you're a big pittsburgh steelers <laughs> fan it's been and, you know since i've known jeff i've never been able to kind of talk about the cleveland browns versus the pittsburgh steelers but in fact this year it's a it's a it's a good start i won't i won't say we'll be there forever but anyways that's not why we're here um hey patrick I, i'm always i'm always i always i love sports as you know and uh i I'm, I, I love the comparison to uh to football and tell, t- how in the world is business like football
4: well, I mean, look, if you just took a look at football right now and you take the 11 guys on each side of the field and you applied uh, the Gallup poll engagement scores, okay, so every quarter Gallup goes out there and looks at the engagement of, of America today, and, and right now it's really sad. I mean, about 36% of American workers inside of a cross-section of American businesses uh, know what the goals of the company they work for are. Okay, and and only twenty percent fully trust the company they work for. So if you would applied those same statistics um, to a football field, uh, you'd only have four people knowing which goal they're going towards, right? Then that that's kind of Cleveland Browns, I guess, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. well, uh, yeah. But if if if, if <laughs> and you'd only have two people, all but just all but two people would be just as likely to root for the other team. Yet we have, you know, so from a statistical perspective, that's a really Horrible looking field. We in in football you must have everybody on the same page, in any sport. And so there's, you know, there's huddles, there's halftime, right? There's che- there's working in the in the, you know, in the play and then working on the play together. Uh, you're reviewing tape. Uh, you're when it, when uh, in basketball when a coach calls timeout and the, and the players run over to the sideline. The players look back and they look up at what, right? The, the score and the time. Um, but when do we do that in business? Do we ever do that in business? Do we have a bunch of people that are really never looking up at the score or allowed to come over to the to the coach or the ownership and sort of check in how are we doing what 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 game are we playing here um, in those games they show you the score, and it's very very clear uh, if the ultimate score of our of our game is defined by the p and l, when are we showing it to them and so there's some no, I- real similarities.
1: And, and and I I love the comparison. I also like the the way, you know, the um there's 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 the big game, right? That you know the Cleveland, Cleveland did in fact win the uh, win the uh, Thursday night game last night, which I think caught uh-huh. a of people by surprise. But the overall game. But but what I think in in, in you know the SRC does extremely well and, and, and the businesses that you guys work with um on the in the great game, is that maybe maybe there are other games inside the game. Is that true? Yeah
4: that's true and and you know we look at the big game and we we use the gamification or the game theory or the game discussion because we had to break down our financials this idea of open book into into bite-sized chunks and make it simple and 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 we you know, Jack and, and us—we just sort of looked at this thing and said, "Look, this is no more complicated than a game of Monopoly when you come right down to it. We should be able to to, to talk about this." So that was the big game idea: was to break it in into simple terms. But on an individual basis, a mini game, a 90-day rapid reward, rapid improvement program—I uh, should uh, we should say—is is really like your Kaizen event. You know, it's it's looking at what's the critical business issues, uh, what are what's what's keeping us up at night. Where are where are opportunities to improve and or, um, you know, correct a weakness in the business? And let's go fix it, and, and let's have it be your idea. The, the guys in the company, the gals in the company, actually doing the work, and we give them the, the permission to develop a scorecard and come up with an idea and come up with thirty, sixty, ninety day improvement goals. So they learn. Everybody learns how to be a good goal setter, and then and then pick a pick a non cash reward. Pick, pick you know let's have let's have a lunch together as a team at the fir- if we meet our 30-day goal, and let's maybe get, have a gift card that we give out at the 60-day goal. If we really rock this thing out and get done and do what we say we, we do at the 90-day goal, maybe we all get T-shirts or hats or, um, you know, maybe there's something a little larger to commensurate with what it is we corrected. But by doing that team play, you are build a tremendous amount of esprit decor and and, and it's, the, it's the way that we kind of put a mini to the maxi game.
1: No, that's great. And, and, and So what I also heard something very partic- very specific there. You, it, you said that they, got, they had a hand in creating the game. Maybe talk about that a little bit.
4: Yeah, this whole thing. I mean, really, this whole thing wouldn't work if it was a top-down approach. Uh, the, one of the great underpinnings of this thing is that transparency really begs the question for it is, are Once you're transparent, and maybe the reason why we're not transparent is the way to look at it, is because we don't know how to com- have conversations with the outcome of that transparency. I either don't know how to deal with it or I'm afraid of it. And and so we took that out and just said, okay, if we know we're going to get this, human, this huge discretionary innovation, we better teach it well. We better have a common language about this business. And to the extent that you can teach it well and have a common language, then you should trust w- what kind of wisdom comes out of that crowd. And then you better figure out how do you harness the wisdom of the crowd to better the company. And so those are the challenges. I mean, this is a simple um, really a simple uh, idea, but that can be not easy, you know, getting your people together and harnessing that wisdom of the crowd. But we really believe that when folks understand a business um, well enough, they will make great decisions. And so then you put more and more of that um, effort to run the business, which all great game companies will tell you, it's a great gift for the ownership and leaders of the company is to have that tremendous wisdom in the crowd and have people out there making decisions that are right, organized and financially pinned
1: and uh i i love it um, let me ask you another question i suspect you know when you're when you're working yeah. on a, you got all these mini games going on do you do you just celebrate the big ones or do you celebrate all of them
4: well and that celebration piece and and the people that have studied the uh, the rewards and recognition merits institute uh, one of the biggest rewards and recognition companies in the country they developed all the points programs that we hear about so much i speak regularly on rewards and recognition with the folks from merits and uh and what we found is that that the people react uh, to being told that that I that that I understand they did a great job, and we react as a people group in very positive ways. And it's underutilized in America today. The happiness factor that Zappos writes about, Tony Shay, in his book, uh, this stuff is real, and and it's underleveraged in in American business today. So by rewarding um, our employees regularly, routinely around the numbers, moving the numbers of the business. We have now aligned with one of the great underutilized concepts in American business, and that's rewards and recognition. Uh, and we're doing it uh, inside the context of what this company must do to win.
1: Um, and then I suspect that these, that the games and the, in uh, the, in the, in the, in these wins, are, I suspect they're really complex formulas, something that takes like a, you know, like a guy like Jeff to figure out. You know, or it's they, very,
4: it's at, they're actually very simple. Uh, they're, the, you know, these these uh, rewards and recognitions developed on. You know, are people that um, are looking at what, would, what do we what do we want to do around here? You know, they're right size to whether you're a Cleveland fan or, in my case, a Kansas City Chiefs fan because they actually win games regularly this year. <laughs>
1: they, they are having they are on a roll. I'll give you that. I, man. You know, I, I would, would respond much
4: better to a Chiefs ticket than I would a Cleveland Browns ticket. I'm just saying.
1: Oh yes, it's going to be not just not last a week. year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Browns their Browns are bad. Anyways, I'm sorry. <laughs> off, off on my off on our tangents again. Um, yeah no i and i and i think that it's it, it's i think the simplicity in the in the um in 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 the, in, the, in the you know the con- you know the constant kind of rewarding success is is a is a wonderful thing um you know i i i we, I, I do. There's about a thousand things. I, I got a full disclosure to the to the audience. I, I started. Uh, I talked to Patrick earlier today, and I, I started down. You know, literally, we we had kind of a 45, well, probably a 20 minute conversation on all these things, and it was. Uh, I literally had to stop stop myself because uh, you know this stuff is this stuff is you know obviously. I really believe the key to um ongoing success of these businesses. Um you, you know I'm just I was going to throw out a, you know and I encourage every anybody who's listening to this or um, who listens to it later in the podcast or whatever to go out and buy the book uh, to start with and then get to the website and look at those sort of things uh, because the, the, some of the the terms are just or, or or some of the concepts are fantastic. I was just hoping to maybe breeze through a couple things here um you know some terms that you use and, and um you know, you know. One thing is, you know, obviously understanding the big picture, painting the big picture, and maybe just taking a couple of seconds of talking about, you know, kind of that piece. Right.
4: Yeah, it's it's a, that is so important. And, and unless you know the big picture, the tendency is is when our our employees and teaching them the financials is to go directly to the financials that that they would just be uh, responsible for. They're, they're part of the cost center, so we're just going to teach them that line of the income statement. But what we find is is that people respond to the big picture when we're told um, we we need to know that, don't we? I mean, if if we're struggling as a company, it's probably not just because of my my job; it's because of the combination of all of us and and what we're up to or the market that we're in. Um, so we we do, you know, we try to we double down on this idea of a big picture and try to give them not only the financials uh, big picture, but the market that we're in big picture, the competition big picture there and, and really give everybody a sense of, of, of what we're up to and, and the kinds of things that an owner or a leader of a company might try to aggregate in their mind, the big picture. And then we, uh, I think we all do much, much better. I mean, it makes your, gives you some tremendous things to think about if you're a role player inside of a company um, and make sure that your business and your, your thoughts are aligned uh, to what's going on.
1: I got two more two more questions for you. One is, you know, you you guys have done this in a main I mean manufacturing setting and I pers- and I know that you guys have done it more. So I'll le- hit you, hit you with a leading question. I suspect that 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 uh, any company can do this. This isn't this a uh, consulting company, a uh, manufacturing how, how, what's this limited to?
4: Oh, you know what? Um I, I will be honest and for those lawyers that are on the call are uh, are on this uh listening to this uh, podcast later, I'll apologize. But the only one that's challenged uh, is is a lawyer is a is a law firm, right? In that, <laughs> at the end of the day, they're splitting up their profits and kind of going home. And and how do you get people involved in the in the running of the business? Every other business that we've found has really been uh, very very successful with it. Uh, we've had over. Uh, 8,000 companies come down to Springfield, Missouri, kick the tires, go through our workshops and, and, and thousands of companies worldwide play the great game of business or practice open book management from, uh, aerospace and Southwest air uh, with their story of how they leverage the mini game aspect of this and Herb in the early days to Capital One and Outback Steakhouse later on and to the companies now that are looking at it like Goodyear and, and, uh, and then uh, New Belgium Brewing Company who actively um, uses this, and Kim Jordan's the CEO there. And what a great story! If you've ever had that beer, Fat Tire is a great beer.
2: Um, company, I like it. Company, That's very good. It, You're right. I'm very, sorry. Brendan likes beer. Yes, I do.
4: <laughs> well, it's a very good beer, and, and I will tell you that uh, there is not a market that we found yet that it doesn't apply to. And a company, every company can benefit from sharing the financials with their employees.
1: And um, my, my my last question, and I and I feel like this is a common theme in our story, in our in our in our kind of five pillars, is why doesn't everybody do this? It's the, the success rate is crazy. Why isn't every entrepreneur doing this?
4: Yeah, you know, and it's it's just a real simple narrative. We think that uh, really the history of business has been that that the financials are taught, you know, at a certain level, CFO and 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 the and the, and the accountants need to manage that, and we're not going to burden everybody else. Uh, with the with the financials that Luca Pacioli back in the 1400s invented, the father of modern accounting was a Phoenician monk, really, that invented these financials. And and then at the time when the uh, uh, really was meant to share a bit to get a better deal with your your trading partners uh, during the merchants of Venice period of time, um, business hasn't changed too much since then, unfortunately. And as we start to be challenged with technology and information becomes more available. Like it is on the Internet, I can find out just about anything I want to about most companies, even if they're private, in just a few clicks. Isn't that interesting? So if that's the case now, and we're being challenged with, with availability, uh, it makes sense that it, it makes sense that we were struggling to get the word out because information was power and information was controlled, and, and we were a command and control-centered center, economy and as that shifts now and we start to look at the engagement issues we start to relook at our people and even challenge decisions that were made to send manufacturing overseas maybe that wasn't as smart as we thought it was when we're mortgaging our communities for the good of the, right. of one company and then next, and when that company grows and i don't have anybody left to hire maybe that wasn't a, a long-term yeah. idea when you start to think longer term okay and you get yep. you get into longer term value now it's starting to make sense. And so we like to say we're a 25-year overnight success. It's taken 25 years to get yep. out of that innovator stage and, and really start to teach the uh, larger group, um, uh, a l- larger uh, entrepreneurial group at large, uh, these concepts.
1: Well, Patrick, I really appreciate your time, and, and as you know, this is uh, this is something that, that that we that we love, and and uh, we really believe is key to business. And you guys have proven it in, a, in, a, in a, just a massive scale. And uh, I mean, I I, uh, I I love the you know the kind of saying you guys say it at, at SRC and the various companies. You know, you gotta wanna, and I I just think that's a that's a great. You gotta wanna do it, and uh, that's that's, that's right. the big big barrier to most entrepreneurs doing this. So. Again, really, really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. You're,
2: you're very yeah, welcome. Patrick, thanks for having me. Th- thanks for your contributions to our show. Really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Have a great day. Thank you. All too. right, with that, with that, folks, uh, we are going to take our final break uh, at, of the show, and um, we'll be we'll be right back.
0: Are the challenges of economic uncertainty and the pressures of global competition wreaking havoc on your company strategy? To succeed in today's fast-paced, high-tech business landscape, companies must continually adapt while driving innovation and exploiting new opportunities. Listen for Quantum Business Insights with host Olivia Parr-Rood. Our guests will include thought leaders from around the world discussing and exploring the concepts that will move companies forward in these uncertain times. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel.
3: This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting.
0: What are the reasons that over three quarters of small businesses fail within three years? Why do 70% of U.S. women-owned businesses make less than $50,000 a year? What causes mid-sized companies to stagnate? Although today many fundamentals of business remain the same, there are critical current changes that are not being acknowledged, and the result is costly. Tune in to Moving Forward with host Jen Sabin. We'll discuss the core reasons and plans of action to keep your business moving forward. Listen Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to one 866 472 5790 That's one 866 472 5790 Or send an email to the second stage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the second stage. Uh, this is
2: Jeff Cadlick. I'm here with my tag team partner, Brendan Anderson. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the second stage, a show about small business best practices. And uh, as we say multiple times in the show, you know, this is a forum. And to be effective and powerful, we need people to contribute their, their experiences and ideas. Uh, the number to call is 866 472 5790. That's 866 472 5790. Um, if you're shy and uh, you don't want to be on the air, then you can certainly email us at the second stage of evolutioncp.com or blog uh, at our site, evolutioncp.com. Um, I'll tell you, Brendan, uh, talking to our guests each week is so refreshing um, You know where we get to listen to these great concepts that you and I know both work because these are what we advocate in the companies that we partner with.
1: Yeah, I, I tell you, and it's – it's uh, I guess like, like all entrepreneurs, you hear something uh, in the results that, that these companies have been able to – to ac- accomplish with, with these sorts of things and you just literally want to get out there and start doing it and it, it really is the, the. I mean it's and then you kind of lose that motivation because you get caught back on that treadmill and um, I, I just I, you know I, I just can't emphasize enough that this is this stuff works it works all the time I mean it's it really does um, transform the business and it separates those companies that really you know that really have a plan to grow and the and, and the ones that, that uh, just kind of stay, stay about the same size so I uh, it really is is wonderful stuff.
2: You know, it's interesting. You know, one of the things uh, you know that we always advocate on this show is, is getting started. And we try to simplify or make the initial steps as easy as they possibly can be. And I would argue that, you know, transparency is probably the easiest to actually do, but it presents a lot of unique challenges, as as Patrick mentioned, that you either scared at what the result is going to be, uh, you you know, or you don't want people to know uh, the information
1: yeah and, and i remember something that Jack stack said to me when when uh when I was really questioning you know how how an entrepreneur makes the leap to start sharing some of this information and 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 the point is you you start small and you and you and you and you start with the the supervisors and you start sharing that so that they fully understand what what this information means and how it drives the the business and how it you know it keeps the business you know with liquid and and, 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 and so forth and and then it's not until then. After you, those people fully understand what's going on. Then you start sharing with with other people and other people until literally you're sharing the the, the major uh, financial information with every single person in the organization. And and and, and it, it really is the goal of empowering them to make decisions to achieve the goals that are established by the people in the organization. It, it is it's it sounds crazy to most entrepreneurs, but it it works. It absolutely works.
2: Yeah, that's right, Brennan. I mean, this stuff does work and we have seen it, you know, in the companies that that we invest in. And, um, again, you, you know, after that initial resistance, this is another one of those pillars where people say, Hey, look, you know, this, this can really work to my advantage and help the company move faster. And we've seen it in the results of the companies that we've invested in. We've had, uh, how many companies in the five thousand uh, which are recognized as fast growing companies in the United States?
1: It's right around six, six total in number, and and uh, four of them have been repeat, uh, and
2: two of them are new. Yeah, we got to work on it. I thought it was higher than that, but uh, six six is a good number to to start with. So
1: and I miscounted. Um, we may miscount it.
2: Go ahead. Sorry. No. Um, so uh, so you've been to their facility, Brendan? Correct. To, to the Springfield Remanufacturing Company?
1: Yeah, actually I was uh, – I, I spent uh, probably two and a half days there and spent a lot of time with with Jack and a lot of time with Patrick and got to see um, – got to attend a huddle and got to see some of their planning processes and um, – I mean, it, it's, it's, you, you literally have to go to, uh, to appreciate what they have done there and, um, and, and, how committed the whole, you know, the whole community is, the whole SRC community is to doing, uh, this open book management. And, um, and then you, when you talk to Jack and, and, and Patrick and the whole team, it's, it literally is a, uh, something that they, they share with other people because they think it's so important to business.
2: So what, what, what things struck you the most? I remember you were t- you, you kind of had asked Patrick that loaded question about uh, what, what's on the walls—is it pictures or is it numbers or, or whatever? How do they? Sh- I mean, how are they conveying all of this information out to to the folks at SRC? They they
1: literally have income statements <clears throat> um, and balance sheets on the walls of their cafeteria or their or their or their meeting rooms. So they will have a a, a year to date uh, uh, income statement and in cash flow right next to you know kind of their projection. They 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 have it by week you know, so they, they really are trying to keep people updated as to vis-a-vis where they are, where they all thought they would be. And quite frankly, you know, where they're at in these mini games that they play. And, uh, they, they do a wonderful job with the mini games. I mean, they, they, you, you every when you walk into the facility, you know, what, what the specific focus is on and, uh, you know, to, to improve the performance of the business. And, um, and it does seem that everybody is pulling in that direction. So, I mean, it's, you know, I, I guess I, Jeff, I and I can talk about this forever, as you know. Um, you know, you compare that to most entrepreneurs, where you walk in and they want, you know, they 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 literally won't share financials with anybody. Uh, and quite frankly, you know, getting back to our first pillar, some of them don't have great financials. But uh, compare that to some of these great open book management businesses, where they're willing to share the numbers with me. I mean, I walk in, say, you know, you walk into the cafeteria, anybody can see the numbers. So, um, not that I could. Do How
2: much does that work? work with competitors, though? I mean. You know, I mean, so much of the world, uh, you know, is, is so competitive. I mean, couldn't, I mean, doesn't that damage them in any way? Or do they just feel like they're going to run over anybody because of this philosophy?
1: They bring in their competitors to show them what they're doing. Um, they, you know, he mentioned this joint venture with some of these bigger manufacturers like Deer and, and Case New Holland and so forth. And I, I think a lot of the competitors eventually just decide that they can't they they can't do what src does and that's probably you know i'm sure that uh, i'll get a call from you know the the, the bigger manufacturers but but you know the, this is this is a this is i mean they they have proven that they that is very difficult to compete with with uh, with them it, it's you know again it's you know you look at it they they many of their customers are down there um you know and they're showing them how to do it so
2: well, Brendan, it's kind of coming that time of the show where you got to talk about, um, you know, what 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 you're advocating in the week. What what do you want these folks to work on? And I, I'm going to give you an extra few seconds here because it is such a unique thing. I think to uh, to bring to people's attention in the organization.
1: You know what I can do with a couple of extra seconds? I can turn that into minutes, Jeff. But uh, literally, uh, in transparency, it's it's don't it's all entrepreneurs are skeptical. Don't be afraid to do it. Start small. Expand your circle, you know, slowly but surely expand your circle of the of the interested parties to the point where you're you're they're getting buy into the goals, and and just do it, uh, you know, just start like we always say, and and I can promise you you'll be amazed with what's going on, and it just goes back for the passion for possibilities. The more people you have row in the right direction in the same direction, the faster you'll get there. And uh, we, obviously we love this stuff, and and again I think it's you know it's it's just start, just start doing it.
2: So we want to thank you, uh, everyone, for tuning in this week. We hope that you've got some good takeaways and action items. You strive uh, to push yourself personally and professionally each week. You know, don't hide in your comfort zone. Uh, You know, thanks again, and remember to continue the conversation on our blog at evolutioncp.com or send us questions. We've gotten good questions each week. So uh, passion for possibilities, everybody. Push yourselves and and have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week with uh, our guest, Brent Sapp, who is going to talk about uh, accountability, Um, and we're looking forward to that conversation, The fifth of five pillars. Have a great week, everybody. (laughs)
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to The Second Stage. Please join Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson again next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a successful week.